Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. Nicole Jarrett's new book, Intimacy, Priceless Times with God, discusses Christianity as a relationship, not a routine or a ritual. I'm going to find out all about this book. Nicole, the author, is here with me now. Nicole, welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable. Thank you for joining me tonight. Thank you so much for having me. It's a privilege. The pleasure's all mine, Nicole. Can you tell me all about what you've written about in Intimacy, Priceless Times with God? Intimacy, Priceless Times with God is really about cementing the Christian belief and faith. It is trying to get the Christian to have that level of confidence in God and in what the Lord has promised and said so that they can stand. You know, we see these balls in a ring and all they draw their foot in the span and they just put there watching their opponent. That's what we need to have the confidence to just stand and believe that God has given us that power and that authority to operate as his agents, his ambassadors in this earth. I understand that much of this book has to deal with your personal experiences, your personal journey here. And that is so true. Because this thing is that the reality was I sat one day and I just heard a voice say to me, would it be interesting if you allow others to understand the journey you went through to come to the place where you are now in God? And I said, hmm, that's a thought. But I just left it at the thought. But then it kept coming back, it kept coming back, coming back, coming back. And then I said, okay, I maybe need to just document this, but how do I do that? Because I've never published anything before. I've never really done anything like that. I was working on another book, and I was just about emptying myself and then ready to put all that into structure when this book idea came to me. Would you say, Nicole, that it's primarily Christians, believers, that you wrote this for? Primarily, yes. Primarily for the believer, especially if you are doubting who you are. Because, you know, some Christians, when they just start, they feel good about it. But it's usually when you dig in to find out what is this really, what is this Christianity all about, that you really start to say, "Mm, maybe I don't know. And then you have some persons, they have been going to church for years. They are okay with just hearing the word from the minister and read a devotional or so, but nothing too deep, you know. But this is really mainly for Christians. But there are people out there who really need to have confidence in who they are and come into the awareness of really the Creator. He made you. What is His purpose for having you here as we understand it from Psalms 139? Because Psalms 1 to 39 tell us that his plans for us was before we were even in our mother's womb. So, you know, it is for that person who wants to come into who they really are. Nicole, you said this was your first book. So did this take a really long time for you to write and put through all the publishing processes? Well, the publishing process was a whole year. 
the writing was another year and a half because the most difficult part of this writing was getting the subheadings under each chapter. It's like I got the chapters, I knew it was eight pillars as I call them, but what is it that I want to tell persons about these eight pillars? And so that took me a while. And then if I'll be honest about it, I had some confidence. It's just, Nicole, you're going to write and tell the whole world about, you know, what is it that you can tell the world? And that was to me, maybe the enemy telling me that. But one day as I was writing and I had struggling moments where for weeks I couldn't write anything. And one day I was just there praying, praying, praying. And I heard the Holy Spirit said, Nicole, the book, Nicole, the book, Nicole, the book. Mm. It was enough to tell me that I needed to get this book done, forget that I was writing another one and focus on this book because it was important to him, then it must be important to me. I think a lot of lives are going to be touched by Nicole's words in this book, and I encourage my listeners to check it out. Again, it's titled Intimacy, Priceless Times with God. It's written by Nicole Jarrett and published by Christian Faith Publishing. So check it out on Amazon or at Barnes & Noble or on iTunes and also down the street at your local bookshop. Nicole, thank you again for joining me and telling me about your work. I had a really nice time talking with you tonight. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure to talk to you too. Here at the Reader House Author Roundtable, we're going to talk about an audiobook that brings to life a simpler time reminding readers of the morals that America once stood for. It's titled Billy and Mr. Crow. It's written by Curtis Erkenbrock, and we're going to find out all about it. Curtis is here with me now. Curtis, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to have you here. Curtis, can you tell me all about Billy and Mr. Crow? Yes. This is only the second book I've written, and I uh, wrote it for a message I had I wanted to put in the book about goodness and hope and friendship, wanted to cover all those things. And so I uh, developed a character who uh, went through the depression and tried to try to show that what uh, effect it had on his life, how a good friend and good people, and God helped him along the way. Curtis, what were your target readers here, or your target listeners in this case, to the audiobook? I thought when I started it would be young people, but as I've come to see it, it's probably the older generation, maybe 60, 50 years older than people that are kind of know more about that period of time. And How long of a process was this for you once you got started writing it, clear up until it got published and then the audiobook came out? <laughs> Anybody that's tried to write it, even a simple book, it's a lot of hard work, a lot of labor. Amazing the technical help we have now to write and to get things in proper order. I uh, made some notes to start the book with and then put the story together, changed it several times, had a few people read it and give me their input. And then I uh, had a, a lady that I know edit it and she did, she said she did all she could. And, and I found a, a publisher that did the self-publishing stuff, got it published and then I, I decided to put it on Audible because I, I think that that's where the future is going you know, people, most people, people want to listen to the book. They don't pay, want to take time to read. What was it like hearing your book, Curtis, as opposed to just reading it off the page like you were used to? The guy that did the 
that we chose to do the Audible was amazing. You know, I mean, he, mm. he did an amazing job. And so the story came to life again for me as I listened to it on Audible. It's a little different than reading it. Of course, you know, when, when you uh, author the, uh, a book like that, I, I probably read it 50 or 60 times to get through, but it was different having somebody get somebody read it. And, and as I went through it that time, I thought, yeah, that is the point I wanted to get across. So was there something in the whole process that you found particularly challenging, especially when it came to publishing and producing that book? I did. The hardest, the hardest thing for me is, because I'm, you know, 72 years old and retired, and I'm not a technical wizard or anything. So I have a really lack on how to get the book out to the public and that, you know. I'm not in favor of, of doing book shows and stuff like that. You know, I, I just want to write and, and put my story on there. But And the challenging part was to get it edited so that it makes sense. You know, that when people read it, they say, oh, yeah, that's a good story. It taught me a lesson or I failed what you were saying. So this is your second book, you said, Curtis. Do you think there'll be a third and maybe more after that? Yes, I have the third one. I'm within about three or four chapters finishing it. Does it ever get old for you when, when we're talking about the physical copy of your books? Does it ever get old when that first one comes in and you get to hold it for the first time after working on it that long? It doesn't. You know, it's been a lifetime goal for me, you know, and to me, it's, I'm still amazed that I could do this. I've thought, you know, 50 years ago, would have, would have I been able to publish it? Nah, probably not. You know, but with the environment that we have today, probably I'm going to sell a lot of books but at least I can get them printed and out in the public and, and see what happens. Based on your experience now writing and publishing, Curtis, do you have any advice that you could throw out there for the aspiring authors? Write as often as you can. And, you know, like every day, if you can sit down and even if your mind, you have a block, a writer's block, just write something, you know. Good advice. I think a lot of readers are going to be into this book. Again, it's titled Billy and Mr. Crow. It's written by Curtis Erkenbrock, and it's published by the Audiobook Network, so you can find it everywhere that you go to get your audiobooks, like Audible, iTunes, Amazon, anywhere. Well, Curtis, thank you again for joining me here and telling me all about Billy and Mr. Crow. I had a nice time with you. All righty, thank you. The new novel by Sunshine Myra discusses faith and forgiveness, among a lot of other things. It's titled Bleeding Scars. And I'm going to find out all about this book. The author, Myra, is here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Myra, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad you're here too, Myra. Can you tell me all about Bleeding Scars? What can readers expect here? Sure. So Bleeding Scars is a story of love. It's a story of faith. It's a story of struggle, guilt, repentance, and restoration. Though it's a fiction on Christian romance, it still upholds the values of God, you know, aligning to the Bible, the Word of God. So in this book, we basically have two teenage girls who are determined to honor God with their bodies in the midst of perversity and growth in morality. They are ridiculed by their classmates and even the community, though, you know, secretly admired. But however, they fall prey to temptation, they feel condemned, they are judged. And everything seems lost. So they get to, you know, fight through all of that with the consequences that comes with that. Myra, would you say then this is a book that primarily romance fans would be into? Yeah, romance is part of it. But we do get that part where we have faith also coming in. But definitely romance is part of it. 
And where did the idea for this come from? What inspired you to write this? So I had a burden to be teenagers, young men, young women, pursue chastity and purity in honor of God. God's word hasn't changed. He still desire us to flee from any form of fornication or immorality from the book of 1 Corinthians 6.18. But I definitely saw that, you know, Christians were falling into this temptation and they were compromising a lot even on this aspect. I felt a burden to kind of talk about it. The other part was that I love love story. So the Holy Spirit led me to think about the story of commitment to God, temptation, condemnation, and guilt. Because the devil uses guilt a lot to be able to tie Christians down, especially when they're falling short of the glory of God. But definitely believing in the word of God where he talks about how he wiped away your sins. I don't remember them anymore. Christians can definitely pick up wherever they're falling short of the glory of God to be able to rise up from there and pursue again life with all the purpose that God desires of them. Myra, when it comes to writing, being published and everything, have you done this before or is this your first book? This is my first book, and I'm excited about it. Oh, absolutely. I, and I imagine you were excited when that first copy came in and you finally got to hold it for the first time. What was that moment like for you? Right. It was a moment filled with so much joy. I felt so much peace in my heart. I felt like I finally got to one of the things my father in heaven wanted me to do. So mm. I felt so much peace and joy about it. How long of a process was this for you uh, from the time you started writing it clear up until it was published? Right. It's been over a decade. Oh, wow. Amazing because I started thinking about this when I was a teenager in high school. I would just pen down thoughts that came to my mind and left them as drafts. But eventually I, I would pick up on it and, you know, play the things again in my head. Think about how to build the subtopics up that I drafted before work on it. So I'll pick it up occasionally and work on it, but I never really get a full-time commitment to it from the beginning. I never even thought it was going to end up in a book like this. When it all started, I just had this idea that, you know, they were so beautiful for me to just write them down because I didn't want to lose them. Then eventually I started getting more clarity on it, more insight on how to go about it. And eventually we're here. Thinking about the publishing end of things, Myro, is there anything that you found particularly challenging on that end? Yeah, the, the duration. This is our first time publishing my book. I never would have imagined it was going to take over. It's getting to a year December because I first submitted the book last year, December. But I do understand it had to go through a process. It was just my first time and I felt maybe that was a, an issue, but it's just because it's my first time, so. Well, this book has a fantastic message, and I encourage my listeners to seek it out. Again, the title is Bleeding Scars. It's written by Sunshine Myra, published by Christian Faith Publishing. So find it everywhere. Find it on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iTunes, and also at traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Myra, thank you so much for coming on the show and telling me about your work and all about Bleeding Scars. I had a really nice time talking with you tonight. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Sitting down right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable with author Michelle Harrell. Michelle, welcome. Thank you for joining me here. I am so happy to be with you. Thank you. Well, Michelle, it's really nice to have you here. And I just wanted to congratulate you for having a new book out titled I Am Ezer, The Glory of a Woman. So, Michelle, can you tell me all about this? Yes, well, it's a Christian book. It's the Christian help book for women. 
and it's based on a verse from Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. And basically, just to give a real short synopsis, it gives the whole detail of what it means for a woman to have spiritual DNA. What was her original DNA before the fall, before Adam and Eve made the mistake in the garden? What was her original DNA? And that God is intending to restore that original spiritual DNA back to women. So that's just a real small synopsis of the book. What sorts of readers were you speaking to here, Michelle? Is it primarily Christians? Yes, I would say so. But I would say that even unbelievers can read it as well. I believe it would be intriguing for them to read it because it isn't just a book about this. It's a book about my story, my marriage, what we went through. So it builds from our marriage relationship and what God brought us through to where I began to study and lead my ministry. And then God showed me this in the word about Genesis 2.18. What does it actually mean to be a helpmeet? And those two words in Hebrew are ezer connecto. And so I speak primarily to an audience of married women. However, I think all women need to read this because it isn't just about married women. It's about women and what our spiritual DNA actually really is. What was that spark, Michelle, the inspiration that made you want to write your story? It's an awful personal thing. It is a personal thing. The reason I did that, because I started a ministry about, well, going on six years ago now, with only the intent to do a book study on the book, The Power of Praying Wife by Stormy O'Martian. And it morphed from, you know, a little group of about 35 women overnight to almost within, I want to say it was about a three-week time period, we had 7,771 women who were going to start with us on our start date of January 8th of 2018. And it was just insane. And I thought, how can I lead women in this book study without sharing them with them the story of our marriage and what we went through and how the Lord brought us through it? And I have to be vulnerable. I've got to be real. And so I shared my story there in that platform. And then as the years went by in the ministry, so many women would tell me how my story helped them because I didn't tell anybody about our story. Mm. You know, it had to do with pornography. And I never told anyone because I was too ashamed of what was going on with my husband. And I had no one to help me, even though I had plenty of friends. I had a wonderful mom and dad who would have helped me, but I didn't want them to look differently on my husband. So I kept it to myself. So that's kind of where it started with sharing my personal story. And then it connected to the fact that we have the spiritual DNA that we've never known about as women. And it really is empowering to women once they get through the book. At the end of the book, I feel like every woman will be empowered, no matter if you're married and you're a train wreck of a marriage or you're single and you want to be or you're divorced and you wish you hadn't or whatever your situation is. I think women will be empowered when they finish this book. Prior to this, Michelle, have you ever written or published? This is my first. Wow, congratulations. How long of a process was this for you for the writing and the publishing and everything? Four and a half years. What did you find the most challenging aspect of it, especially that publishing part? The publishing part was the wait. Mm. Like once it got into the hands of the publisher, I was so excited and it was literally almost exactly a year. And I'm a very impatient person. So that was the most difficult part of that. So what was that moment like when that first copy finally came in and you got to hold this after that four plus years of working on it? Surreal is the only word you can really come up with, right? And I cried, of course. You know, you're just staring at it going, really, really? Am I staring at this? (laughs) Like my heart and soul that came out of my fingertips, I'm actually staring at it now and it's staring back at me. You know, (laughs) it was very surreal. 
I think so many readers are going to be blessed by the pages of this book, and I encourage everybody listening to check it out. Again, it's titled, I Am Ezer, The Glory of a Woman. It's written by Michelle Harrell, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing, so you can find it everywhere. So go on over to Amazon and Barnes & Noble or iTunes, and also traditional brick-and-mortar stores, and you'll be able to find this. Michelle, thanks again for coming on the show and telling me all about this. I had a nice time talking tonight. Thank you. So did I. Thank you so much. Right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable, I'm happy to be joined by author Jason Gerard Cage. Jason, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me here tonight. You're welcome. Thanks for having me, Corey. Pleasure's all mine. You have a new book out, and I just wanted to say congratulations. It's called Grace-Based Husband. Jason, can you tell me about it? Yes, yeah, so it's basically a book written for married men or men who are thinking about getting married. And just about showing grace to your spouse um, in marriage. And I believe that grace is Jesus, who is basically sacrificial and selfless. And what inspired you to write this? What was the spark that made you say, hey, I, I want to write this book. I want to tell people about this. Just because I know that us as men, we're, we're God put us in place to lead our marriage. And I believe that we should lead our marriage with grace. You're going to have challenges. Every marriage is going to have challenges. However, with God's grace, you're able to make it through and try it. Would you say then that this is a book primarily for Christians, for believers? Yes, sir. Primarily written for uh, believers, men who are, like I said, who are married. You may be married maybe six months to a year, or men who have been married for 50 years. God can always help us out through His grace, help us do better things, and we can only do that through His grace. Now, when it comes to writing and publishing, Jason, have you done this kind of thing before, or is this your first book? This is my first book. Congratulations. How long of a process was this for you, both the writing and the publishing stuff? This took me about two years, you know, and in my book, I just tell stories about, you know, my own personal journey. So basically, it took me about two years to write it. When it comes to the publishing end of things, there's so many different things involved there. What did you find the most challenging part of that end? I think the most challenging part was just summarizing it. I didn't want to make the book too long. I want the book because I know that in today's life, people are on the go. I want to make a quick, short read book. Men can read this book within 10 to 15 minutes, and it's a good booster for your marriage. And there's nothing like seeing that finished product after those two years of work that you put into this, Jason. And you open up the mailbox, and there's your first copy. You actually get to hold this book for the first time. What was that like for you? Oh, man, it, it was uh, great. You know, I was excited about it to see the finished product through hard work and just seeing those words actually inside of a book. And I'm sure you learned a lot along the way of publishing for the first time, Jason. Is there anything you picked up there that you might be able to throw out for the aspiring authors who are listening? Yeah, I would just say, you know, just be patient. Continue to just take notes throughout your journey or whatever you're going to write about. I'm currently, you know, working on another book about sports. But I would just say, be patient. You know, everything takes time and don't rush it. When you were writing this, Jason, did you find it flowed pretty easily, or were you plagued with stuff like writer's block and stops and starts like that? No, I wasn't really plagued because I had just a lot of information. I just wanted to get, you know, everything in the book where men can relate to it in today's life. Now that you got your first book out there, Jason, you're a published author. So what's the most rewarding aspect of that for you? I think the most rewarding aspect is seeing other people who have brought the book and their testimonies of how it blessed them, how they used the confessions in the back of the book, how they saw the examples of life situations of God's grace being worked through things. 
And when it comes to the people that you have in your life, Jason, who inspires you and who keeps you going, especially when it comes to things like this with writing and things you create? In the beginning of the book, I gave uh, like a special shout out to a, a group of godly men who have been in my life. One is a Deacon Ben Brown from my church. He reminds me of Jesus himself. He's sacrificial. He's selfless. You know, men like that who, you know, raise their children and, you know, just lay their life down to put others first before them. And Jason, were you the kind of writer who had a routine kind of to it where maybe you'd get up really early, maybe you'd stay up really late? Or were you the kind of writer that just found yourself writing this stuff as you got the time and the inspiration? You know, it varied. A lot of the writing was done primarily in the morning. God would wake me up, you know, 3 a.m. and I would just write. God would tell me to write things that were on my heart. And I just put it in there in the book. You know, most, most of the writing was done early in the morning. Some was in the afternoon and things like that. I know a lot of men of faith are going to find help and inspiration in this book, and I encourage my listeners to check it out. Again, it's titled Grace-Based Husband. It's written by Jason Gerard Cage, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. Of course, you can find it anywhere, like on Amazon and at Barnes & Noble and at iTunes and also traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Jason, I really appreciate you coming on the show and telling me about this book. I had a nice time talking with you. Megan Core, thanks for having me. The new children's book by Norma Fligan aims to open up a lively dialogue between parents and their children. It's titled Sneaky the Hairy Mountain Monster, How I Lost My Parents. I'm going to find out all about this book. Norma, the author, is here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Norma, welcome. Thank you for being here with me tonight. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure, Norma. Can you tell me all about Sneaky the Hairy Mountain Monster? What's this all about? Well, Sneaky the Hairy Mountain Monster... How I Lost My Parents is part of a series. It's the sixth book that I have written about a character named Sneaky. He's a three-eyed green monster who lives in the woods near Blake James's grandparents' house. And he feared people. He never wanted to be seen. People could hear him roar, knew there was some monster down in the woods, but couldn't figure out where this noise was coming from. So I would say the character is, was misunderstood. Mm. People thought he was something to be feared, but he turned out to be a friendly monster and just wanted to be loved. The book is a fiction book. It's for children. It's a fun book, something they will enjoy reading. My writing style is to get children to ask questions about the character and um, be curious about the character. I like to see children learn to think instead of being indoctrinated. And I um, have sometimes a little learning lesson in the book, very subtle. Mainly just wanting kids to get back to reading and finding reading fun again. Picking up a book and saying, oh, this is, this is great, you know. And then, I, of course, I want them to be anxious for the next book to come out to see what Sneaky is up to. I love it. Do you have more planned out? How many in the series do you think you're going to go? Well, I don't know. I have a lot of open-ended areas where Sneaky can go. One of my books was Sneaky Goes to the Bahamas to the first ever monster convention. And Sneaky didn't know what a convention was, and he didn't know where the Bahamas was, but he was going because it was the first ever monster convention. <laughs> In that book, children learn a little bit about the Bahamas and a, um underground aquarium, which some children, you know, they barely get out of their own little surroundings. And uh, mm. so anyway... There's little, little learning things in each book. 
I like children to be a little more acceptant, mm. uh, accepting other people. And just because somebody's not the most popular boy in school or the most prettiest girl in class doesn't mean that you have to ignore that person, that you should, you know, you could say hi to them. It would make their day. And just being polite. In this book, How I Love My Parents, Ricky and his parents were looking for food, and the, the parents and he got swept away in the flood. And he got nagged by a tree branch that was down in the water. But his parents, they were floating down the river. So he got separated from his parents. And in this book, it teaches kids how you have to learn how to take care of yourself if you have nobody to take care of you. So Sneaky had to take care of himself. And he had to find out ways and different ways to find food for himself. And he did. He found berries out in the wild, apples growing on a tree. He found nuts and just different things like that that he, he could find in the wild. And so that kind of teaches children that you can find things like berries and elderberries and blackberries and blueberries out in the wild. So he learned how to take care of himself. But Nicky, he was lonely because he didn't have any parents and he didn't have any friends. He didn't know anybody. But he was making a place for himself to live. And one day, Blake and Michaela were out playing. They were playing soccer. And the ball started rolling down the hill. They kept rolling after the ball. And the ball kept rolling. They finally caught up to the ball. And Michaela looked at Blake and said, doesn't Sneaky live down here somewhere? And Blake said, yeah. yeah. Michaela said, let's go see if we can find him. Blake said, well, you were always afraid of Sneaky before. And she said, yeah, but I'm 10 now. So anyway, they went to try to find Sneaky and they found Sneaky. Well, I'm sure the children and families alike will really be into this book. And I encourage my listeners to go check this one out. Again, it's titled Sneaky the Hairy Mountain Monster. How I Lost My Parents. It's written by Norma Flagan, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. So you can get it everywhere, like on Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes, and also traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Norma, thank you again for joining me and telling me all about Sneaky, the Hairy Mountain Monster, and the whole series. I had a nice time tonight. All right. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. God bless you. Decoding Prophecy. It's the new book, Just Hit Stores, written by Anthony Andy Griffin. And I'm going to find out all about it. Andy, the author, is here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Andy, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me, Corley. How are you today? I'm doing fantastic now that we get to talk about decoding prophecy. Andy, can you tell me about it? Yes, I can. It's a book about what God the Creator is doing in the earth. And what sorts of readers were you speaking to here? My private readers are the lay members of the church. To give them a guide to be able to navigate through the maze of all the various interpretations out there. Hmm. Andy, can you go back and think about the inspiration, the spark that made you think, hey, I'm going to sit down and start writing this book and publish it? Oh, yes. My reason for writing this book was the fact that as I began to study Bible prophecy, I was overwhelmed by an avalanche of conflicting information by so many different writers, so much so that I asked, is it even possible to know the truth? And that question inspired me to take a deep dive into the pursuit of the truth. The most important lesson that I learned in the study of prophecy is the method of interpretation that you use. And the two main competing methods of interpretation is the literal versus the figurative interpretation. Now, using the figurative method 
the interpretations are subject to the realms of the interpreter. Almost nothing means what it says. It's all code for something else. And that is why I use the literal grammatical method. Because if the Bible says there was a white horse, it means the horse is white. Mm. God is not in the habit of saying one thing and meaning something else. Otherwise, how would he ever know the truth? Andy, once you started writing this, how long of a process was this for you up until you had it published? Yeah, the entire process was about four years. Research, writing, and editing. Prior to this, have you written or published? Bad to say, no. I put off writing for a long time because I was involved in other things and just couldn't seem to find the time to get started. And then once that day came, Andy, and you finally got that first copy of Decoding Prophecy and you got to hold this book in your hands, actually, for the first time, what was that moment like? It was a great feeling of accomplishment to say that I have done something that the Lord put in my heart to do. So I say, I've done it. And now that you have done it, do you have any advice now that you could throw out there for the aspiring authors? Yes, it's really simple. Get started. Don't put it off. No one can do it but you. That's good advice. So looking ahead, Andy, do you see yourself writing another and publishing more? I'm toying with the idea of another book. I'm facing some health challenges, so that'll be a little difficult right now, but I can see myself doing another book. When you think about everything, Andy, what's the most rewarding aspect for you of now being a published author? Oh, the most rewarding aspect is the realization that my great-great grandchildren will be able to share this book with their grandchildren. Thinking about that publishing end of things, there's so much involved. Is there anything in that process that you found particularly challenging? To be honest, no. The publishing house that I used was so helpful and such expertise that they walked me through the whole process. It was kind of like holding my hand and feeding me through the process. And it was just an ease and a joy to work with them. Mm, Wonderful. Obviously, your relationship with God is a huge thing in your life, Andy. Do you have people around you in your life who can also support you and encourage you and motivate you? Oh, absolutely. I have a church full of people who motivate me every Sunday. And my biggest motivator and cheerleader is my wife, Carlita. I think a lot of readers are going to be blessed by this book, and I encourage those listening to check it out. Again, the title is Decoding Prophecy. It's written by Anthony Andy Griffin, and is published by Christian Faith Publishing. So, of course, you can find it everywhere, like Amazon and Barnes & Noble, also iTunes and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Andy, it's been fantastic talking with you tonight. I really appreciate you coming on the show. And I appreciate your time, Corey, and thank you for having me. The book I'm looking at right now reminds readers that God has big plans for their lives. It's titled, Leaving Egypt Behind, Your Journey to Inner Healing. This is written by Melanie Bell, and we're going to talk all about this book. Melanie is here with me now at the show. Melanie, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Corey. Glad to be here. The pleasure's all mine, Melanie. Can you tell me what you've written about in Leaving Egypt Behind? Yeah, so Leaving Egypt Behind is really an inner healing journey book. We're all here for a reason, right? And we all have assignments. And so we can't really get to that assignment. We can't really accomplish whatever God has designed for us to do unless we go through our inner healing journey. 
And so the book is really around Moses and the story of the Israelites and how God had this huge assignment for him to go back and deliver the Israelites out of Egypt. But when God met Moses at the burning bush, he said, Lord, I can't do this. I get tongue tied. He had all of these excuses, which is an indication that there were some things in Moses that needed to be dealt with. And so along that journey for him going and delivering those Israelites through God's help, God worked on him and he healed him in that manner. And he's asking us to do the same thing. He wants to heal us from within so we can really step up to who he's designed us to be. Hmm. Melanie, what sorts of readers were you speaking to here? I would say predominantly women. Just being a woman myself, not that men can't benefit from this. Absolutely. We all have to go through an inner healing process. But definitely women, because I myself have been through my inner healing journey, which is honestly a lifelong journey. And so I really just spoke to the hearts of the women that deal with some similar issues or really any issue that a woman faces, right? Anything from, you know, you've been through drug addictions to abuse to anything that you've experienced in your past. It's, It's applicable to any woman, really. And of course, there's the faith element. Would you say that non-believers would also be able to get something out of this book? Definitely. Definitely. I I think so. It is a Christian book, but at the end of the day, the principles apply to everyone. We all have to go through an inner healing journey. I myself believe that that journey is with Christ himself, but certainly I I believe that all people can benefit from it. Mm, Wonderful. Melanie, how were you inspired to start this book, to write it and publish it? You know, it's funny because I didn't know I was writing a book (laughs) when I started (laughs) off. I kind of was reading my Bible and I was reading through Exodus and I kind of started writing what the Spirit was telling me, just journaling and writing down what God was saying. And then I looked up and I was like, wow, I think God wants me to write a book. And so (laughs) I got to it and it it really was an amazing and intriguing process of writing this book. Mm, Was this a new experience for you or had you published before? No, brand new. And again, I like I, I knew I wanted to write a book, but I had that on kind of the back burner. And so when I realized that I was writing a book, I was like, wow, this is really cool. (laughs) (laughs) How long was the whole process for you once you got started on it and clear up through when it was published? You know, it's somewhat of a blur just because, again, I didn't realize I was writing a book and Mm. kind of wasn't timing it. So I, I stick to about three to five weeks. Honestly, it went by really quickly. What part of that process did you find the most challenging? I would say staying out of God's way. (laughs) (laughs) So I've been to school and I have my master's. I'm a CPA. So naturally, I kind of want to control the process. And so I want to make sure it's perfect as I'm writing down and, you know, have everything perfect. And so I really had to get out of God's way and just get out of my own way and just write down whatever I needed to write down and then go back and adjust it as needed. Melanie, this is your first book. It's really a personal thing for you. So that day when you opened the mailbox and there your first copy was of this book and you got to hold it and look at it for the first time, what was that moment like for you? You know, it was joyful and I was excited, but it really was like, okay, it's time. It's getting close. So get ready. Honestly, that's what I thought. I mean, I'm excited and I'm going to write many more books, but it's like all about God's timing and I'm ready to share it and I'm ready to get it out to the world. This book has a wonderful message for a lot of readers. I encourage everybody out there to definitely seek it out. Again, it's titled Leaving Egypt Behind, Your Journey to Inner Healing. It's written by Melanie Bell and is published by Christian Faith Publishing. So, of course, you can find it anywhere. Head on over to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iTunes or traditional brick-and-mortar stores, and you'll be able to pick it up. Melanie, thanks again for joining me here and telling me all about leaving Egypt behind and the whole process. I had a really nice time. 
Yes, thank you so much, Corey. The book we're talking about here right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable is all about a very special kid, a goat kid, that is. It's titled Achilles, I Can Do Anything, My First Year. This is a book written by Margaret Hale, and I get to find out more about it. Margaret is right here with me. Margaret, welcome to the show. I appreciate you being here with me. It's a pleasure being with you. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm anxious to learn all about Achilles, Margaret. Can you tell me what it's all about? Well, Achilles was born, there were three babies born, two of them over in our pasture, and we noticed right away that Achilles' front legs were not straight, so he was unable to nurse. And when that happens, we take him inside. They have to come in and be bottle-fed. So he spent about six months in our house, and we worked with him straightening, trying to straighten his legs, strengthening his muscles. I also have five dogs in my house and a cat. So (laughs) he kind of got wrapped into, he thought he was a dog for the first six months of his life. Even after he was back out in the pasture, if I opened the pasture gate and opened my back door, he would come get on my couch. (laughs) So he kind of fit in the house and outside. As he grew older, he started walking on his elbows. So you could really see the disability as he got older. But he never let that stop him from doing things. He worked really hard. And and we bought steps to help him get up on the couch and get up on the bed like the other dogs were doing. And he became part of the family. As as a matter of fact, not long after he was born, we had planned a trip to Okefenokee Swamp in Georgia. And he got sick right before we left. And so I took him to the vet and he was going to have to have shots for a few days. So I couldn't leave him at home. So my husband told me you might be a redneck. But yep, I took my goat on vacation with me <laughs> to the Okefenokee Swamp. I love it. So he could get his medicine. So he, he had quite an eventful first year. He really did. Yeah, sounds like it. So what was that spark? What inspired you to say, I got to write this story and tell the world about this? Well, my daughter and her friends, my daughter's older, and her were so enthralled with Achilles that she started a Facebook page. And so we kind of documented the Facebook page, and he ended up with like 350 followers. And so we kept the Facebook page going, and every time he had an accomplishment, we would put it up. And, and I kind of wrote it like he was telling it, and that's kind of how I've done the book also, kind of from his perspective. The Facebook page helped me in writing the book a great deal because the book does contain actual pictures of Achilles and his friends out in the pasture. So we didn't do illustrations. We did actual pictures. So have you ever done anything like this before when it comes to writing books or being published? No, this is my first time doing this. And I tell you, I had COVID for two weeks and I started with pen and paper and draft after draft got me started writing. And I've always enjoyed writing, just never published anything or, or done anything like this. And I'm over 60, so it wasn't on my bucket list to do. But everybody just seemed to enjoy his story and the way he, you know, overcame his handicap and fit in with our animals in the house and the animals outside. So I thought so many children never really get to experience farm life. I didn't growing up. So I thought this would be a good way for a child that's in a city to see what farm animals are about and how they live. And there's nothing like seeing that finished product. I could only imagine what you were thinking whenever you finally got your first copy in and you got to hold Achilles, the book, for the first time. What was that moment like for you, Margaret? Oh, I was so excited to see it in print. It was a long process. 
I think I struggled with my publisher some because I kept asking all these questions and they were really great in helping me out and explaining the process to me because you want it tomorrow and you don't get it tomorrow. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I was so excited when I drove up and saw that box on my front porch and knew that that was the first run of my book. And I've marked those the first run and I still have some. So those are going to be very precious to me. I know that a lot of readers are really going to love this book and be into this story. I know I am. The title again is Achilles, I Can Do Anything, My First Year. It's written by Margaret Hale, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing, so you can find it anywhere like on Amazon or at Barnes & Noble or on iTunes and also traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Margaret, thank you so much again for telling me all about Achilles. It was so nice talking with you. It was great talking with you. Thank you so much for calling. I appreciate the time. There's a new book out in stores right now written by Richard A. Porter. It's titled Behind the Stone, Abiding in the Will of God. And Richard is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. We're going to chat all about this book. Richard, welcome. Thank you for joining us tonight. Haha, thanks for having me. Pretty excited about this. (laughs) I'm excited too. I'm excited to learn about Behind the Stone, Richard. Could you tell me about it? Yeah, Behind the Stone, Abiding in the Will of God. Well, Behind the Stone is coming one behind. Jesus Christ, who is the chief cornerstone, and that is the will of God. So abiding in the will of God is that he's calling us to come together as one, as one people. And it's pretty exciting for me. What happened was 40 years ago, I had a vision, and it was given to me in kind of the worst circumstance, really. I was falling, I was crying. I was literally, I told I had to leave a church because I was demon-possessed. Oh, wow. And the only reason I was told that is because this man may believe he was poor, living, you know, I don't want to talk too much about what the church is, but it was a fire and brimstone packed church. And next to the church was a small worn out trailer. And so at the end of every service, he complained that God's people should be better givers. And this is over 40 years ago. And when I was taking a motorcycle ride one time, and this is when I was living in Texas, I stopped by this beautiful lawn that came out of the middle of nowhere with a big house in the back. And if you knew the area in Texas, it was all clay. But what made me stop was the beautiful lawn in the midst of all this clay. And all of a sudden, a riding lawnmower was coming right towards me as I was leaning against my uh, motorcycle. as like some kind of lean-to. And just then, I noticed the pastor's last name. And all I said, nah, it can't be the pastor. He was in that small, worn-out-looking trailer. And our mouse dropped, signing his canyon leaves. They turned around and his big lawnmower threw me around. I mean, that's how big this yard was in the mm-hmm. beautiful house in the back. Well, that was a Saturday. And the Lord really put in my spirit right then and there not to say anything. I mean, his secret was truly, truly sacred me. Mm-hmm. Well, the next day was Sunday. He was teaching on demon possessed people. And all of a sudden, he said, Now, we don't want people like that in our church. And he had men physically throw me out. Wow. So I was falling. I, I mean, I went back to where I was living, and I just cried. I, I, I couldn't stop crying. And I'm like, God, how could people be like this? How could people be like this? I wasn't going to say anything, God. I wasn't going to say anything. And that was dark. That's how long I was crying. And I couldn't read my Bible. I just left it against my, my chest. And all of a sudden, I had a vision from the Lord, and it was so clear. It said, many people will believe in me. But will not. It's almost like a page in front of me from the Bible just popped up in front of me. Mm-hmm. And he said, Many people will say they believe in me, but will not. Many people will preach my word and they do not believe. But my words, my words, my truth, my truth, many people will be saved by it, but they won't be. And this is the start 
of my story. And my story is kind of parallel with the church because it's not just about how God used me to, you know, to cast demons out of people and, and heal the sick. It's also a story about my unfaithfulness and my disobedience while I was being used. It's also a story about, see, I was kind of protected from the church. What happened was I just got on my knees, and after all this, I decided I'm just going to get on my knees and build, like, little stones, you know, altars out in the woods and pray to God and read the Bible. And then I heard from God, that, and he sent me into different churches. And I'll be sitting there in the back of a church, and all of a sudden, I'll, I'll know, you know, that's the pastor's wife on the left. That's his one he's four rowers on the right, and he has another two times to the south. So you approach these pastors, you know, they know it's from God. They, you know, repout and all that stuff, and then they cry out. But the next time you show up, they fill you up. Now I'm back in Connecticut at this time. You know, that's my home state, it's Connecticut. So the book is about rising up beyond our denominational walls, our state lines, our country lines. You know, what we really believe that is the truth, like what he's calling for is faithfulness. And so this book is a, it's a, it's a exciting book. Well, I think a lot of readers are definitely going to be blessed by this book. I encourage those listening right now to go seek this out. Again, the title is Behind the Stone, Abiding in the Will of God. It's written by Richard A. Porter and it's published by Covenant Books. So Grab it up anywhere that you go to buy books like Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iTunes or take a walk down the street to your local bookshop and you'll be able to pick this up. Richard, thanks again for joining me here and tell me all about this. I had a nice time talking with you. Uh, Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first. 